You're listening to Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith, a podcast by the Haverford Trust Company. On Speaking of Quality, Hank chats with authors, influencers, and wealth management experts to bring a sense of clarity and calm to the complexity and stress of personal finance. And now, here's your host, Hank Smith. Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. I'm your host, Hank Smith, Director and Head of Investment Strategy at the Haverford Trust Company. On this podcast, we'll explore topics ranging from quality investing, retirement resilience, stock market trends, estate planning, behavioral psychology, and more. This episode is the second and final part of our short series on charitable giving and how to make the most impact with their philanthropic donations. On our first episode of this series, Rebecca Moffat, President of Vanguard Charitable, provided insight on donor-advised funds and how you can maximize your charitable gifts. Joining me today is Eric Pryor, President and CEO of the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, known informally as PAFA, and Jane Alsop, Chief Development Officer at PAFA. Full disclosure, I was a trustee at PAFA for nearly 20 years and currently am an emeritus trustee. As well, the Haverford Trust Company has been a longtime investment manager for PAFA's endowment. Eric, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the history of PAFA for those in the audience that may have never heard of the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts and what you're doing today uh, with this organization? Well, first, let me thank you, Hank, for your many years of support here at PAFA and uh, giving this opportunity to address your audience. Uh, We were founded in 1805 by a group of artists, civic leaders, and business leaders. And at that time, Uh, essentially they looked and felt like uh, they wanted America to have its artistic and cultural identity. And so in part of uh, their look to make their their thoughts around making that a reality was creating this institution. Uh, So uh, they created this institution. It was interesting. A lot of people think of PAFA because, you know, found in 1805 and, you know, just how many years ago that was, they think of it from a historical context. But we were at the heart of contemporary art when we were founded, because at that time, and for many years after that, the artists that they were working with were the contemporary artists of that day. That's a, a little bit. And so we are a museum. We have a substantial collection, but we're also a school where we teach art. It wasn't always a college. Uh, We do lifelong learning through continuing education. Uh, We've done certificate programs. So we basically serve people of all ages, giving them opportunities to make art and learn about art through art appreciation. So Eric, let's jump right into this. How does charitable giving benefit organizations like PAFA? And what are some of the challenges you face in fundraising? I mean, charitable giving, I mean, when you look at a nonprofit, uh, in, in similar to for-profits, you want a diversity in your revenue streams. And charitable giving is essentially a revenue stream to a nonprofit. Uh, you can do earned income and fee-based things. And then the primary uh, avenues of your charitable giving, uh, you have institutional giving, which is typically uh, could be a foundation. It could be a corporate foundation. It could be a foundation that was created by someone like the Ford Foundation. Uh, So you have that institutional giving where you apply for the grant for a specific area. And then you also have uh, uh, individual giving. 
uh, an individual giving, uh, typically it could be, you know, uh, somebody's uh, grandmother sending in a $10 annual gift, or it could be someone who has developed a family foundation in which they're really uh, giving uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars or even more. Uh, so those are it's important, uh, and both of those are really invest investment in the mission of the organization. So uh, for us, it, they're investing in our ability to bring arts programming to people of all ages. It allows us to give scholarships uh, to students that may be at the college level, also scholarships or to pay for programs for K to six uh, grade students, as well as middle and high school students, as well as it allows us to do family programming and programming in the museum where we may be bringing people in, uh, whether it's for lectures or talks or performances in the galleries. And as a nonprofit, PAFA has two very unique events, the student art show in the spring, and then the Bacchanal celebration, which is a live and silent uh, wine auction. Again, full disclosure, the Haverford Trust Company has been the lead sponsor of Bacchanal since its inception to, uh, of the event 24 years ago. Tell us a little bit about those events because no other organization could do something like that. Well, the annual student exhibition is, what is it, Jane? Is it 122 years? I don't want to get that. Yes, this is its 122nd year. So it's and the longest standing student art show of its kind, I believe, in America. And essentially, it's made up of students who are either uh, at this point, uh, they're graduating with their MFA or their BFA, but they're they're in that final year of that uh, uh, aspect of their study. Uh, and they get a certain amount of space and uh, they get to exhibit their their work. And, and the great thing about that show is for the person who comes and uh, wants to potentially collect art because uh, these are uh, artists at the very beginning of their artistic journey and career uh, moving into the professional ranks as artists. Uh, oftentimes they can find works at, 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 good, at good prices, uh, at price points that they can afford. So it's, it's good for them. For the artists, it's great because uh, the proceeds, uh, part of the proceeds go to the artists and for them to be able to uh, earn a little money from their work and then the part of it that goes, stays with the institution essentially pro helps to provide scholarships for future students. So it's a it's a win-win. And, and that is open to the public for about two weeks, am I correct? Three weeks, but well, we have the preview party on May 11th this year, right. which is a ticketed event, and then the exhibition's on view, I believe, May 12th through June 3rd or 4th. I, I would encourage uh, anyone to, if, they, if you haven't been to this, uh, to to uh, come by, it really is something to see uh, the variety of art and, and really, really good works that these uh, students uh, put on display, uh, some of which they price so high that it, that's a signal they don't want to sell it. They know it's good <laughs> and they want to keep it. Jane, turning to you for a moment, can, can you uh, tell us uh, the difference between restricted and unrestricted giving? and what your preference is and maybe give us a couple of, a, a couple of examples. Absolutely. So um, unrestricted giving is sometimes called operating support. It's gifts that come into your organization without any restriction. And as Eric said, investing in the mission. So the great thing about those gifts is it offers the institution the flexibility to 
do the things it needs most at that moment when the gifts come in. So sometimes paying for electricity or the behind the scenes things that keep the engines moving in a nonprofit. And restricted giving comes in with a specific intent or purpose by the donor. So for instance, at TAFA, people may elect to support a specific exhibition. So their gift goes directly to support the exhibition or our education programs. Perhaps it is a gift for our endowment, so it goes permanently into our endowment for a specific purpose that the donor intends, um, and then that gift helps the institution in perpetuity. So there are a number of ways people can invest in unrestricted giving at any institution. You could be a member at PAFA, you could make an annual gift. So we welcome all gifts. I will say, um, while we don't have a preference per se, um, unrestricted giving is really a gift you can give to the institution because it does give them that flexibility. But at the end of the day, what we hope we're doing is matchmaking. In essence, that the donor feels really good about the gift they're making at your institution and it's going to a purpose they support. And, and oftentimes you will find people that make restricted gifts are supporting the institution in a number of ways. They might attend Bacchanal, they might be a member. Um, so it's not mutually exclusive. Sometimes people participate in, in many giving channels. We, uh, in a previous podcast with Rebecca Moffitt, president of Vanguard Charitable, she told us some of the trends now in donor-advised funds are shifting more toward unrestricted giving, and which is very, very beneficial to organizations. Are you seeing that at PAFA? Not yet. I mean, I, I would say it's a mix here. I would say it's really a mix. We'd love to see more of that. And donor-advised funds are very interesting to nonprofits too. It's just such a whole growing arena for support. But there, I've seen other articles too about some major philanthropists wanting to pick institutions and make unrestricted gifts to give the, the organization the ability to put it to where they want to put it. Like Mackenzie Bezos, her giving has been unrestricted and large, wonderful surprises for those nonprofits. How does PAFA contribute to promoting diversity and inclusivity in the arts and what impact has that had on the under-resourced communities of PAFA serves? I would say a large part of that is, and it's interesting conversation I just had earlier around uh, equity uh, and access. Uh, if you look at, uh, and we can look at children, for example, uh, K to 12. Uh, if you look at the Philadelphia uh, public schools, uh, the arts are uh, in many cases almost non-existent for those children. Uh, typically, if I take you out to a, a well-resourced district or private schools, art is a major part of it. And uh, we were meeting earlier with someone who was a corporate leader, and one of the things that came up was this whole idea that much of the skills uh, uh, that one will use and for children late, later on in their lives are 21st century skills like creative problem solving, critical thinking, uh, mastering collaboration and, and communication uh, and how important these skills, which are skills that you develop through the art. So I, I would say that's probably one of the most important things that we do is making certain that uh, people from diverse communities have access to honing this type of training uh, in their lives. And then of course, uh, in our own hiring practices, uh, and when we uh, bring people on board to make certain that we are looking at people uh, from diverse backgrounds and making certain that we're reaching out to try to uh, make certain that we can have a, a diverse uh, staff mix. So I imagine financial aid and scholarships are critical for Huge. PAFA. 
but what percentage of students re receive financial aid and, and how does that compare to other uh, similar organizations? I think that nearly all of our students are receiving aid in some form, merit or scholarship. And additionally, through the annual student exhibition, they have the opportunity to receive prizes and awards, which is um, another way um, that helps launch their careers. I think the association that we belong to, ACAD, which is the Arts and Design Colleges, they state that at least 70% of the students are receiving some form of aid. So um, it is a reality. Many, if not all, artists are starving art artists. Um, but uh, they get a uh, they get a good head start by getting that uh, scholarship and some of that uh, financial support at PAFA. This is kind of to both of you. Can you speak to some su success stories, particularly impactful examples of charitable giving at PAFA? Jane, during your time at, as chief development officer, can you tell our audience of a time when your organization has been the recipient of unexpected gift and what was that impact like? Well, I will say, uh, there are many impactful gifts that come to PAFA. Um, some of them obviously predate Eric and I because we're relatively new to the organization. One of the most interesting things to me are planned gifts where somebody who loves your institution in their lifetime, perhaps they've been a member for 20 or 30 years, um, and they've left some sort of bequest in their to your organization. So we, we have had that time and time again, or it's an alumnus, who can do more with their estate plans than they could in their lifetime. So we had uh, a household member a couple of years ago who left an unrestricted gift, which we placed in the endowment, several hundred thousand dollars. Um, and before our time, one of the most impactful scholarships, a travel scholarship was from a longtime docent here. So a woman who was a docent and volunteer for many, many years um, created an endowment for scholarships, which has allowed many students to travel throughout the world. And this is a rich tradition at PAFA where we have these endowed travel scholarships, which help further their practice. So we love those surprises, but what we really would love is if people also let us know in their lifetime so that we could celebrate them while they're here and you know really engage with them while they're here. One of the most interesting sort of out of the nowhere uh, situations or what appeared to be out of nowhere, uh, was when the person who was over the estate of John Rodnett saw something around the, I, I want to say it was either the Tanner exhibition or the Norman Lewis exhibition, and was really taken by it in a very positive way and was inspired and reached out to PAFA because they saw what, what we were doing uh, in terms of really showcasing. The, was, it, was it Tanner or was it the Tanner exhibition? It was it was the Norman Lewis exhibition, Norman and I believe, Lewis. yes, the executor, the artist John Roden's estate, it caught his eye. And what he what caught his eye was how we told the story of an artist that really deserved their due. And PAFA has a history of really celebrating and elevating artists that are due some recognition. So that gift was not only the collection, which we will keep the majority of and distribute part of, but also an endowed gift and a gift to name our performing arts center, our art center, I should say. It, Hank, it hits multiple areas. It hits, you know, in terms of, uh, I think one of the areas when we looked about the diversity is PAFA has been at the lead in terms of diversifying its collection uh, and really has a collection of art that really is representative of who we are as a nation. So when you look at the 
works uh, with the gender diversity of women artists. Uh, PAFA is ahead of the curve, uh, ahead of most of our peers in that space, as well as BIPOC artists and, 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 and Black artists. Yeah, that kind of leads to the next question about uh, the balance between accepting art donations, allocating funds for art acquisitions at PAFA, and how do you prioritize this, uh, you know, these different forms of art acquisitions uh, to build and maintain uh, your diverse collection? Well, one of the things we, 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 it's important to us and we trust is we have an amazing curatorial team. Uh, and the curatorial team, along with our, our registrar and archivist, they really have a sense of what we have in our collection. Uh, and one of the most important things with a collection is that you're able to tell various stories through the artwork and put those works together to create these narratives around the artwork. And so one of the things that they're always looking at is uh, one of the language we'll use is where there might be holes in the collection, uh, where there may be areas where we are not as strong. And so they prioritize those as areas. So what you don't want to do is somebody to say, say they have an incredible work and it doesn't matter who the artist is, but we make, let's say we are already flush with that person's work uh, and other works like that. To just take that on more than likely, it would pretty much go in storage. You really may not see it as much and it takes money to care for art. A lot of people don't realize the storage costs uh, the conservation costs, what it takes to care for that work, uh, it's it's not inexpensive. So you got to be very selective and understand where your needs are and be strategic in making certain that you're bringing works on that really are filling uh, those holes in the collection and rounding it out where you can really. And for us, we're an American art uh, museum. So for us, it's about telling the story of American art. Uh, so if somebody were to say, hey, we want to give you, you know, works that are from, uh, you know, some other part of the world, uh, have my great, you know, traditional African art collection. You know, it's not what we do. It doesn't mean that that work isn't amazing, but it just really uh, may not necessarily fit in the story that, that uh, we were we're telling. So I imagine that over two centuries of collecting artwork the majority of that work is a uh, below ground in storage, never to see the, the light of the day, which is probably true for many uh, organizations like PAFA. We have probably, uh, what, over 17,000 uh, uh, objects, uh, works of art. And when we did Making American Artists, there were 103 works in that show. Am I correct? Uh, I think I'm mm -hmm. correct there, Jane. And if you looked at the time, we had also gift deeds up. So maybe there were another two, three hundred. Uh, so at any given time, we probably have the capacity of having upwards of it. it when you look at all our galleries, 500 plus. But that's, you know, so that rotates. And some yeah. of them have to rotate because hey. they're light sensitive. So Correct. The, a lot of our works are works on paper, so they're very light sensitive. Um, but the one thing I would add about our collection, which I think is unique, and um, I think you were sort of speaking to this, Hank, which is that it's hard for museums to compete now in the art market for certain artwork 
So getting gifts directly from collectors is a really valuable resource. And we have to be judicious, as Eric said, about what we accept. But because we have this history of successfully sharing collections like Alan Ants or Gentees and others, it's attracted other like-minded collectors um, who know that we do a good job in presenting it and caring for it and that it fits within the story we're trying to tell. It is your job, Jane, but it's also, I imagine, Eric, a big part of your job is <clears throat> developing and maintaining long-term relationships. Uh, I know you, Eric, you've run the organization, but you must work very closely with Jane in in, in that aspect of developing relationships. Yeah. And, 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 and interestingly enough, those relationships, they, they happen through our development team, but they actually also happen through curatorial, because oftentimes when people have collections and they're thinking about because you know it's interesting a lot of people when they initially collect it's like oh, okay i couldn't get this i'll have it for my kids and what they realize as they uh, get uh, older is oftentimes their kids are not interested in what they're interested in uh, even though that collection may be uh, a significant collection that's important uh and once they start having that realization they start thinking about the legacy of what happens with my collection. And oftentimes uh, at that point, they will engage uh, someone like Dr. Anna Marley or Dr. Brittany Webb, our curator. So oftentimes people will reach out to, they typically think to reach out to the curator about their collection before they actually would reach out to the development office. So Jane, how does um, someone get involved with PAPA? Well, there are a number of ways. I mean, one of the things that we we talk a lot about at PAFA is because we have so much to offer to the community, people can get involved by becoming a member, a donor, attending an event. Um, sometimes people get involved because a board member or a friend has brought them to PAFA. But the other, there are a number of other ways people can enjoy PAFA as a continuing education student by attending our public programs. So we see it as sort of a whole suite of ways you can derive enjoyment in PAFA and also have a relationship that supports the institution. So we have uh, public programs and continuing ed. We have a great membership program and, and giving programs for upper level donors. But honestly, we also are discovering people through other relationships they have. You know, faculty members have relationships and things like that. So, so we're open to any and all introductions and we're trying to meet as many people as we can to get them engaged. Social media, I think, is a good way to test the waters when you're interested in a nonprofit, maybe before you make the leap, because it's a great way to find out about it. It's harder for us in the development world to forge a personal connection, but I think for people that are looking for organizations they might want to be supportive of, that's a really good way to find out the personality and the work they're doing. That's, that's fantastic. Um, finally, Eric, uh, what's next for Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts? Wow, what's next? Well, I would say one of the things, that, and Jane touched on it with continuing education, is this whole idea of lifelong learning through the arts. So one of the things that we really are looking at is making certain that there are opportunities for people to engage in, in, in studio work or learning about doing art from the youngest uh, to grade school kids, to high school kids, to college, through young adults, through older adults to retirees. So uh, one of the things we're gonna be doing is reinvigorating uh, our certificate program. We're finding that a lot of people are coming back to art. Sometimes you, you, you have millennials that, you know, maybe they 
did a major in college that really, you know, felt super practical, would pay the bills, and then they start working that 40-hour-a-week gig and realize, oh, my God, I haven't they don't see themselves doing that for the rest of their life. So uh, part of what we want to do is for them who want to come back and and kick off an art practice because it was something that always they got enjoyment from and wanted to do to someone who just wants to do it because they want to relax and it makes them feel better. So that certificate and continuing education and lifelong learning is important. And then the other piece of it, I would say, is really positioning the museum. Uh, we at PAFA have one of the top three American art collections in the world uh, here at PAFA. And with that, we're able to tell a story of American art that's unique, that removes things from a chronology and put things together based on genre, uh, putting artworks together and putting them in dialogue. Uh, works like Charles Wilson Peel, the artist in his museum, and Joan Brown's self-portrait uh, to Peel's Washington and James Brantley's self-portrait of him coming back from the Vietnam War. These are things that I think are extremely exciting. We also see ourselves becoming much more rooted in uh, development of a artist in residence program where we will work with more contemporary artists because we've always had a foothold in helping artists develop their creative practice. And we've been doing it, but it's been more with college age kids, but uh, there is still a need out there also to be able to work with, uh, with professional emerging artists. So those are just a couple of things. And then also, uh, of course, uh, we're looking to do more, uh, call it hybrid or online type experiences where we can serve people that are here in Philadelphia as well as in other parts of the country or even the world for that matter. And I, I would just add, I would encourage anyone uh, that has not uh, been to PAFA to see the collection. Uh, please do. You are going to be more than pleasantly surprised. It's uh, it is it make for a wonderful morning or a wonderful uh, afternoon. It is truly an exceptional uh, collection. Thank you, Eric and Jane, for joining us today and sharing your insights on charitable giving and your wonderful organization. If our listeners wanted to learn more about PAFA, how would they contact you? First, they can check the website for all of the programs and things we mentioned, which is www.pafa.org. Um, or feel free to drop me an email, uh, jalsop at pafa.org. And sign up for our, our online newsletter, follow us on social media, um, and think about coming to the annual student exhibition in May. Well, I think that's a great start and end. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to this special two-part series of Speaking of Quality Wealth Management Insights. For more information about PAFA, please visit www.pafa.org. Until next time, I'm Hank Smith. Stay bullish. Thanks for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith. To hear future episodes of Speaking of Quality, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Haverford Trust Company, please visit www.haverfordquality.com. This podcast is provided as general commentary and market overview and should not be relied upon as research, a forecast, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation 
offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt an investment strategy. Any opinions expressed are as of the date this podcast was recorded and may change at any time. And are the opinions of that commentator not Haverford's? Any opinion or information provided are believed by Haverford to be reliable at the time of this podcast's recording, but are not necessarily all-inclusive or guaranteed for accuracy. Before making any financial decisions, please consult with an investment professional.